stand face to face with you in your amazing presence. We thank you for everything that was exchanged on the cross. Captivity for freedom. Sickness for wholeness. Orphans for adopted sons and daughters. Thank you, mighty God. We give you tonight, Lord. Let every word that's spoken land on good soil. Thank you that anything that would seek to distract or get in the way of your word be removed right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for a clear, open channel from heaven tonight for your people to receive your word. Thank you that lives will be changed and transformed by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to be in his presence. I think we could have stayed there for another half an hour or so. That was beautiful, powerful. Welcome, everyone. Good to see you all once again. Welcome to church. If we haven't met you, my name's Dorian, and on behalf of um, Pastor Tony and Pastor Rabir, I want to welcome you. And um, if we haven't met you before, we'd love to meet you after the service, so come and say hello. Just a few announcements before we get started. The kids are leaving the room and heading upstairs to the kids' ministry rooms. That's for ages, kids, uh, ages four and up. So if you're new here and you'd like to send your kids up, they'll be well looked after and be taught the Word of God up there. So please feel welcome to send your kids up there. And just for parents, if you are putting your kids in kids' church, just a reminder to please collect them as soon as the service ends, um, just to relieve the team. That'd be great. Okay, as usual, I'm going to ask the question, who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony? Lots of hands, hands going up all over the place, Tony. You wouldn't believe it. You missed it. We're going to do it again, because Tony's going to look this time. Who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? See that? Look at that. Wow. Needs no introduction. Let's welcome Pastor Tony. How you going? Welcome. How you all doing? Awesome. Thanks for those three people that are excited to hear from me. Whatever I do, I do unto the Lord. So whether you like it or you don't like it, I'm here to talk. Amen. Usually I've got a lot of words and small notes, little notes. Today I've got a lot of notes and I don't know how I'm going to say it all. So uh, by God's grace, we'll try and finish today or maybe... Anyone's got dinner plans? Cancel. It's an honour to be with you. It's always an honour and um, to share the word. I've often said this for many years, you know, that I don't take this lightly. 
I don't take this, uh, I know I joke a bit and I carry on, I want you to feel comfortable, but I don't want to take away from the seriousness of the word. This word is life and death. And I, I pray that I communicate what God's trying to show me. And it's an honor to share and to speak into your life because you've got to be careful who speaks into your life. Amen. Many voices out there. And what I mean by voices, you know, the internet. And um, they've got rid of me already. Um, am I still here? Hello? Yeah? Um, many voices out there. And, you know, we've got people streaming, you know, literally streaming into your minds and what you see and what you read. And um, it's, awesome, it's awesome to sort of search a matter out. But we've got to be careful, what, you know, who's trying to get our attention. And the first thing is that the enemy will try and distract you off truth portraying to be truth and you think wow i'm getting a lot of i'm getting fed here but sometimes you can eat food that makes you unhealthy you've heard it said that you are what you eat well if we we are what we eat i'm a hundred kilo chicken with a pizza head and legs like fries aljanda hawa and every now and then, Lamono. And Frango's for DJ. You are what you eat. And Paul uses this analogy. The Bible uses this analogy. You know, you, you eat the fruit of your labor. And Jesus came to the fig tree and wanted to eat. And it's all symbolic. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse uh, 1 to 4, Paul speaking, and we're going to touch on this a little bit because I don't want to go through every story because there's so much to unpack. But Paul, he was saying, he's referring to the children of Israel when they walked through the desert. Now, Moses frees the, the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people out of captivity. And he says to Pharaoh, this is, this is interesting, he says to Pharaoh, let my people go so they can worship God in the wilderness. Now, God promised them to be in the promised land. And they had a promise from God through Joseph And they were in slavery 430 years under the Pharaoh. They were slaves, building, working for Pharaoh. But they kept that promise and it was passed down from generation to generation that they one day would end up in the promised land. They would end up in where God has blessed them and they'll end up in a place where there's land flowing for milk and honey and all this. But in order to get to your promise, how many people know God needs to purge out the stuff? Of your old life. We get saved. Um, Rab shared um, was a couple of weeks ago about the new man and the new nature. And I love the new nature. My ministry years ago used to be called New Nature Ministries because I knew that when I got saved by Christ, I knew no one could take that from me. I knew the encounter I had with the Lord. I knew He touched my life and set me free. And no longer was I going to hell, I was going to heaven. Who can testify to that? But I also knew that there was so much garbage in me that had to die. So you have to go through a wilderness experience. And this is where most Christians fall off track. They have an encounter with Jesus, the new man, as Rabs were saying. But now when God wants to build character in you and integrity in you. And sometimes some things like that do not come natural to you. If you grew up in a family, mum and dad raised you with, um, with um, you know, morals and, and some boundaries and that, you take that for granted. But some people didn't grow up like that. And through life, you'll meet different people from different parts of the world and where they've been and they've come from dysfunctionality. 
I often say that if you come up out of a decent family, well, you, what you think is a decent family, you might be starting at a minus 100, but some people are starting at minus a million. Dysfunctional. And common sense doesn't come natural. Integrity doesn't come natural. Love and kindness does not come natural. Boundaries don't come natural. And when God took the Israelites out of Egypt, it's a type and shadow of salvation. Jesus took us from the kingdom of darkness and place it into the kingdom of his dear son. We go from darkness to light. We are saved through the blood. But then all of a sudden, guess where the party starts? When God starts to touch the nerve in your heart that he wants to purge out. And he says, let my people go so they can worship God in the desert. That's a funny thing. The Israelites wanted to go straight to the promised land, the blessing. But God wanted, Moses wanted to introduce them to the blesser. Because unless you know the blesser, the blessings will be a curse. Remember hearing a story in America, uh, I don't know if they're still around, the Dolphins, NFL team, the Dolphins, are they still around? That, that was owned at one stage by a Lebanese man who migrated to America, and I don't know if he was a first or generation guy. He owned that franchise. And it was a multi-million, multi-billion dollar industry. That NFL's crazy. And he, he, he was amazing. He was an immigrant. And he, you know, well, his, I think his parents were immigrants or he was an immigrant. I don't know. can't remember exactly. But when he died, he left it to his sons and they became drug addicts and they, became, and they lost the whole franchise. You see, you would think that this man built an empire because the NFL is a business. They built a business and left it to his son. But guess what? Something went down. There was nothing imparted into the sons that could hold what the blessing was. And the blessing became a curse and they lost it and they destroyed their life. So in a natural sense, they give you to your promise. But if you're not dead to some things, guess what? What's still in you will destroy what God's blessed you and then the blessings that you cannot contain. I've said this before. Statistics says that, uh, statistically it says that anyone who um, wins the lotto or wins the lottery or wins some sort of windfall, like anyone who gets, like say, wins a lump sum of money, whether it's the lotto, whether it's the lottery, whether it's the casino, whatever. 70% of them will be broke in three years. Because getting a windfall, getting a million dollars to someone who doesn't know what to do with it will destroy him. There's no capacity. There's no stewardship. There's nothing to know. And we often think, AJ shared this story with me today. It was interesting. This old theologian from England, real old guy, he's passed away now. And he was in a discussion and the, and the guy said, well, the best guy in our, I think it was a workplace, the best guy here is this guy here. He doesn't believe in God, but he, um, you know, anyone who's got any issues, he gives them guidance, he gives them wisdom, and he gets them on the right track, but he doesn't believe in God. So what do you say to that? The guy looked at him and smiled and said, yeah, but your father, your grandfather was a pastor, was a Christian. And his grandfather was a Christian. So they taught principles and boundaries and fundamental foundations how to live life you're getting the benefit, but give yourself another generation or two, your kids will know nothing and they'll be destroyed. The Bible says, train a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they won't depart. It's your job, parents, it's your job to raise a child in the way he should go. I don't believe any parent in the world has a baby and teaches them to be a drug addict, or teaches them to be an alcoholic, or teaches them to murder or steal. No one does that, let's be honest. Even the most evil people don't do that. But if you don't put a boundary and you don't understand the ways you should go, guess what? You'll end up because the spirit of the world 
the spirit of the world, they, this side doesn't like me, I'll stay over here. The spirit of the world will captivate you and drag you to a place and sometimes you think, how did I get here? There's a conspiracy against me. Have we get to the first Corinthians yet? Moreover, brethren, verse 1. I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers, he's speaking to the Corinthian church, talking about the ancestors of the Jewish ancestors. He says, our fathers were under the cloud, which is talking about God's presence, and passed through the sea, which is talking about the Red Sea. All were baptized into Moses, into, into the cloud and into the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of what spiritual they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. I just said earlier, for those who came late, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> you are what you eat. <laughs> and I said, oh, I look like a hundred kilo chicken. With, you know, anyway, cuffed up with legs like um, it's not to sit. And he says that they drank. So in the desert, as you can understand, that they. They, got, they were in slavery for 30 years. Now he takes them into the desert and the first thing they do, they start complaining. Mate, you brought us out here to die and you know, we, had, we had food in Egypt. They were slaves. He says, we had food in Egypt. You brought us here to die like animals. What's your story, Moses? And God gives them manna from heaven and they eat and they weren't satisfied. Then he says, oh, we need meat. So quails fall out of the sky. You know, just as a side note, if you go to that region in the desert today, there's a certain season every year that quails just come and fall on the ground till this day. And they're not falling out of heaven. They're getting, they're getting pushed off course. They, quails in that area, they migrate. And the wind push, pushes them off. They end up in the desert. They can't help it. They die and they fall. Till this day, at a certain season, quails are still falling on the ground. Interesting, eh? So the, we know that the manner, the manner from heaven is the bread of life, Jesus we know that the meat of his word is Jesus. Then they started to complain that they have no water. And they're not just complaining. They are angry. And they're not just angry. They want to kill Moses now. So this Moses gets them out of slavery. And he shows them miracle after miracle after miracle. But that's not enough. Because their bellies are dry and, and it's a bit hard and they aren't getting what they want, they attacked him. And Moses is going, man, what shall I do with these people? Look what he says. The Bible says Moses cries out to the Lord. Sometimes we need to cry out to God. Sometimes we've got to pray. Okay, we pray. And then we declare the word. This is the truth of God's word. Okay, we do that. And, you know, we do all the things that we know to do, but some days we just got to sit and say, Lord... What is your will for me? Sometimes we are trying to tell God what to do and I have asking God, what should I do? The church has become, uh, we're dictating to God what God should do, not understanding what God's trying to teach us. And he says to him in Exodus chapter 17, and he says to him, go and get your rod. And I'll, we'll go down to, you go, you just go to 17 verse 5. And for people who don't know this story, you've watched Ten Commandments, you've watched, um, was it the, the, the cartoons? And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod, which is the big stick that he uses, and which you, and which you had the, the same rod with which you struck the river and go. 
which is, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders in Israel. So God said, go to this rock. Now, the rock has no special powers, but God's presence was on that rock. And he goes, strike the rock, and it came out. And they drank. But didn't you read a bit further? I don't know the timeline. I don't know if it was two years, three years, because they kept whinging and complaining. Listen, the quickest way to abort your destination and what God's planned for you, start whinging and complaining. Whinging and complaining turns into unbelief and doubt, becomes offence, and you're off course. And that's what they did. A one-year trip took 40. One-year trip took 40. And Moses now has had enough. Now, this happened twice. I want to share this with you. In Numbers 20, and verse 7, they're complaining again. But now they're that angry, they want to stone Moses. (laughs) So they're upset with their pastor, the leader, and they've had enough. It's not enough to go through the Red Sea. Not enough to get manna from heaven, meat, water, be protected. Their clothes didn't wear out. All Everything God provided for them. But now, let's stone him. <laughs> Who wants to be a leader? Yeah. Everything he's done for them. Moses gets the Ten Commandments and it took a bit of time. He went to the mountain. Like, he's dead. They built a golden calf and they started to have a party. And Moses comes in and says, what What are they doing? And God says, you know what? These are stiff-necked people. I love when you read it in this context. Stiff-necked people. He's got to be Lebanese God, you know. Because the terminology, he would have said some other things that, you know, my grandfather would have said. And he says, you know what? I'm going to wipe them out. God says, I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to start, you know, Moses, I'm going to start a new race of people through you, Moses. Now, if Moses was Lebanese, he would have said, yeah, heavy duty, wipe them out, let's start again, you know. Imagine the duplexes we can build, you know. But Moses doesn't do that. God says, I'm wiping them out. They're stiff-necked people. They're, 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 they're just, they're not worth it. And Moses cries out to God, says, God, don't, please. He intercedes on his face, cries out to God. And God says, okay, I'll send an angel before you. I'll send my presence. You follow that. He says, God, if you don't come with us, I'd rather stay in the desert where you're here than go into a promised land without you. What did Moses have that we don't have? This is a guy in the Old Testament. And now they want, this is when they got the Ten Commandments, but I've jumped the gun a bit, so let's go back. I want to show you something. Exodus 33. Now, before we go to Exodus 33, can you put that photo See this rock, guys? No one can see it? You know that thing? It's a rock. Talk to me! I'm lonely up here. All right, good. Turn it off. I just want to see if they saw it. No, joking. This rock, whether you believe it or not, is found in Saudi Arabia, in the desert of Saudi Arabia. It's believed to be in the location where Moses got the Ten Commandments. Now, if you were to go on a tourist trip right now and you wanted to go to the place where Moses got the Ten Commandments, that would take you to a place in Egypt called St. Catherine's. It's a tourist attraction. You go there, pay your money, get robbed, take a photo, and you think you've been to Moses' mountain, you have been robbed. 
better off going to Disneyland because that's not the place where Moses. The Bible says they left Egypt into the wilderness, but that's become a commercial site. So I watched a documentary 20 years ago. These explorers went through and said, this can't be the mountain. They went through the Bible. And they said, well, let's see if the Bible's true. One was a devout Christian. The other guy was just a guy just going on an experience just to see. And they followed the Bible like a map, and they went through different places, and they found everything the Bible records. When they went to the Promised Land, along the way, they crossed the Red Sea. They found a place with the Red Sea. Even now, archaeologists are finding chariot wheels in the sea. Now, this rock is on there. I don't want to get too much time on there. They found a place in Saudi Arabia. It's fenced off, and there's a big sign, trespassers will be prosecuted. So what do they do? They go in. It's, it's an archaeologist site in that. And what they found is everything the Bible describes. There was a place where they, they found where they did sacrifices on the animals. Then they found one almond tree. <laughs> it's a desert. Then they found a cave where Elijah, and there's all these different things they found. So for someone who reads the Bible, go, wow, are you excited? That's actual physical evidence that the story of Moses is true. And that's why I said when they went on their journey, they found before they got there, they, they encountered this water. They were thirsty. They went to get water, and it was called murrah, mur, which is bitter. They found the rivers. They found everything. And then they got blown away. This rock stands very high. It's not just a little rock. And what they found, this rock was split in half and it was corroded all the way, like water corrosion. And all this area was like water had been gushing out like a river. And they can't understand that in the middle of the desert, just in that little pocket, water would be there in the middle of the desert. And now... It's the Saudi Arabian government is having trouble trying to stop people from coming there because this is blowing the old theology out of the water. This is actually a, a very sacred place now because they're finding all this evidence. And the reason why I showed you that rock because that's called the cleft. So that rock has a split in it. It's called the cleft. Now Moses, before encounter one to encounter two, what happened was they needed water. He hit the rock, water came out. But it must be years, a few years later, they're in a different place at a different time, going around the mountain, and now they're complaining again. Now they're angry, they want to stone Moses. But in between those two counts, God is saying, I'm going to wipe out these people. Moses says, please, Lord, don't do this. If you've you found grace in me at least, don't do this. Well, that's, 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 a, that's a, just a sermon in itself. By God's grace, Jesus came to set us free, amen? Not because we're good, because he was good. And by grace, he found grace in the sight of the Lord. And he begged them, don't, Lord. These people want to stone him, want to kill him, but yet he says, please don't kill them. They don't hurt them. They just don't know what they're doing. And now he says, but Lord, will you promise me that you won't do this? Because yeah, I'll promise you. Remember last week we shared about Abraham. He said, you're going to inherit all this land. He says, how do I know you're going to, we're going to do that? And he said, we'll make a covenant. Remember that we talked about the covenant? Moses says the same thing. He says, how do I know that I found favour in your sight, grace in your sight? How will I know? He says, and then he says, show me your face. He says, no one can see the face of God and live. Yet before that, it says, Moses spoke to God face to face as to a friend. And I don't believe Moses saw God face to face, but God communicated with Moses as a friend would communicate face to face. So he says, no one can see the face of God and live. And we're going to read this. Can we go to the... Can we go down to um, Exodus 33? And he said to him, I will make my, all my goodness pass by you. So what he did, he said, listen, you can't see my face and live, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to show you who I am. And he hides him in the cleft of a rock. And we're going to read this. This is the song that Mary just sang. 
And he goes, and I'll make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious to, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion to. God's saying that I'm going to call out my name. His name isn't just a name, like a name. His name is who his person is. Because God's got many names. Everything that God says, is that his name means something. He says, now the word compassion here, you can... You can, it's the same word derived from loving kindness or mercy. So I'm going to come before you and I'm going to show you my grace and my mercy. Next verse. But he said, you cannot see my face for no, one, no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said to him, here is my place by me and you shall stand on a rock. You'll stand on a rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand and while I pass by and then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back but my face you shall not see isn't it interesting guys people argue what did he see what did he see I don't believe he saw a man I don't believe he saw he may have saw a vision he may have saw a cloud and the glory of God but he says there I'm going to show you my grace and my mercy. And when I pass by you, you will see my grace and mercy. But you have to go into the cleft of the rock. Can anyone see a picture here? In order to see the mercy of God and the grace of God, I'm going to have to put you on my rock. Jesus is the what? The rock of our salvation. And Paul says here in the first verse I said to you earlier, what did he say in verse, 1 Corinthians? You don't have to go there, I'll read it. He says to him in the second verse, he says, he says that they ate and drank from a spiritual rock, which is Christ. And before Jesus came on the earth, his typology, his shadow was in the Old Testament. And they were eating spiritual food, manna from heaven. They were eating. And he says, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock. When Jesus' side was pierced on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, they whipped him. They ripped his beard off. They put crowns of thorns. They're not little nice little picture crowns. They were like five, uh, 50 mil each. And they hit him in the head and they pierced through his head and they ripped his beard off his face and they whipped him till they nearly killed him. And then they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And that's not enough. They pierced his side. And what happens, the Bible says, his side was opened. The spear goes through his side. And it goes through his heart and all the blood and water leaks out. And you know what? The Bible says that Christ is the head of the church. He's the husband of the bride. Who's the bride? Who's the bride? The church is the bride. We're not talking about male or female. We're talking about as a body of believers, as believers, Christians in Jesus Christ, we're the bride of Christ. How did Adam get his wife? Through the side. He ripped him open and Adam was formed out of the woman and came out of man. Jesus did the same thing. His side was open. But look, Moses saw the grace and mercy of Jesus. How did he see Moses in those days? No, he, did you know what he was seeing? I believe God hid him in the cleft of the rock. Jesus being our rock. He hid him in Christ so he can see the glory of God. That was in the Old Testament, guys. I'm excited. That Jesus being our rock. The Bible says any man be in Christ is a... No longer I live, but... Amen. The Bible says, I've been baptized into Christ. I, my sins are died with Christ. My sins have been buried with Christ. And then I rise again in newness of life. Does you see the picture? But Moses has this encounter with God when? After the first whacking of the rock. 
But later on, Moses now has had enough. Now Moses had enough. They want to kill him. And let's go to Numbers 20. I want to show you something here. Now they're whinging. They want to stone Moses. They've had enough. They want to kill him. Yeah, he's done everything he possibly can to get him into the promised land. They can't get into the promised land because they're unbelief, they're whinging, they're complaining, they're murmuring. And now they want to kill him. And now the Lord speaks to Moses saying, take the rod, the rod. Last time is take your rod. Now it's take the rod. I'll explain that later. And you and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before, the, before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them and out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and the animals. Now, before you go back, go back one sec. He says, take the rod, not your rod, the rod. And I'll explain that. But this is what I want you to see. He says, now speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Last time he said, whack the rock. Now he says, speak to the rock. Next verse. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord and he, as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you bunch of rebels. That's abbreviated. You can read it this way. Hear now, you whinging, stiff-necked, whinging, ungrateful bunch of heathens, rebels. He's not talking about rebel sport. He's talking about... All right? Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. Time out, Moses. Who said you're bringing the water? He's angry. He's ticked off. He's had enough. They want to kill him. And God says, take the rod. Okay, he took the rod, the rod, which is Aaron's rod. It wasn't his rod. That, it was Aaron's rod. And for another time, I'll explain that. You want me to show you? No, nah, no. Nah. He says, speak to the rock. Go back, AJ. Speak to the rock. And he does, you a bunch of rebels. Must we bring you water? So he's angry now, guys. All right? And the next verse. And then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly and the congregation and the animals drank. Stop there. God said the first time to strike it. Did he not? Did Moses do what God said? Okay. The second time, did God say strike it or speak to it? Why speak to it and then one strike it? Because if Paul says that rock is Christ, then the first striking was Jesus on the cross. Jesus only gets crucified once and once only. You cannot crucify Jesus over and over again. You are not allowed to because it's unlawful. When he hit the rock, he was speaking of judgment. When you get stricken, it's judgment. An evil man or an unrighteous man would get whipped. He would get judged by the rod. The rod speaks of authority. But now you've got the rod of salvation. He just had an encounter in the cleft of the rock. He saw the goodness of God and the mercy of God. Now you're my leader, Moses. Now take these people, no matter what they say and do to you, show them mercy and grace. And he goes, now speak to the rock. What happens after the cross? We don't have to strike Jesus again. We don't have to pay for salvation. Guess what we do? We speak by faith. But because he struck the rock, guess what? He's now defiling God because he's hitting the rock again. He goes, you disobeyed me. Look at the next verse. I didn't give you the next verse, did I? Just go now. I can read it. 
Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron because you did not believe. Everyone say, did not believe me. To hallow me. Now, who knows what the word hallow means? Who says the Our Father? Our Father, who aren't in heaven, hallow be your name. Who knows what hallow means now? For those that want to fight me every week about the Our Father, you say it, but you don't know what it means. Hallow means how honorable, how holy is your name. Your name is above every name. It's not talking about a name like a specific name like Tony. Tony's name means nothing. But the name of Jesus, it's the authority in the name of Jesus. There's plenty of people in jail in Mexico, their name is Jesus. Just because they've got a name like Jesus doesn't mean they can become a Christian. The word hallowed be your name is how honored and revered your name is. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. How holy your name is. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Here he says, Moses, I wanted you to speak to the rock, but you dishonored my name. In the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given you. Moses did all the hard work and now it comes to get him into the promised land. Guess what? He can't do it. Why? Because he struck, he disobeyed. Why? Law can't enter you into the promised land. Only grace. Only by his grace. So you can't make God happy with what you do. God is happy because Christ died on the cross for you. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, guess what? He gets you into the promised land. This is Old Testament stuff. He struck the rock. You can't strike Jesus twice. One speaks of law. The law demands a verdict. The law demands punishment. You break God's law. Tell me who hasn't broke the Ten Commandments again. If you put your hand up, you're a liar. That's the first. Oh, Joey? <laughs> you're the bulldog shirt. Of course you broke the law. <laughs> Can anything good come out of Greenacre? That's the other problem. <laughs> but if you break the law, if you try and keep any law, once you break one law, you've broken them all. Who's perfect here? Who can point the finger at someone else and says they're no good? None of us, eh? We all have sinned. The word sin means to fall short, to miss the mark, and fallen short of the glory of God. So the law demands punishment, which is death, whether you had a white lie or whether you murdered someone. But Jesus came full of grace and mercy. He's the rock that Moses saw. He's the rock that he hid him in his rock. And when he passed by, I can't show you my physical face. You'll die because you're a sinner. But one day when Jesus comes, you'll see the face of God on that cross. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. He makes us right. He gives us the power and grace. See, grace means, grace is a gift, unmerited favor. And mercy means I deserve punishment, but I don't get it. Because he shows me mercy. Grace is a gift. We receive it by faith, the rock, faith. And then I won't punish you. Moses misses out. And I'll show you that it was faith and, and, and nothing else. Deuteronomy 32, 51. Sorry for those who don't know the Bible, like read Old Testament stuff, but I just thought it, it's very important that we see the foundation. It says, because you trespassed against me. Now the word trespassed here means in that you broke my, my commandment, you broke my law that I gave you. But in the Hebrew, it means you broke faith with me. Unbelief. You were supposed to do as I say, and you must trust me. Once we stop trusting God, guess what? Unbelief comes in. We start doing things our way, and then it's just destruction. Here he says, because you trespassed or lost faith or did not against me among the children of Israel, uh, the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not hallow my, me, in the midst of the children of Israel. God was saying, you've defiled me in front of the people. Now they think I'm like that. Or, in other words, can say, you are supposed to represent my goodness and mercy, and all you did was represent 
law, judgment. He didn't get into the promised land. Moses represents the law. But guess who took him into the promised land? Who? Joshua. The word Joshua in the Hebrew means the same word from Yeshua means grace. Made saviour, sorry. So guess what? It took him three days to get into the promised land. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died and was buried and rose on the third day. Hallelujah. See, our promised land isn't a place. Our promised land is a position. Where? In the presence of the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the... How good is that? And Joshua takes him into the promised land. Ephesians 2, 4, 6. Moses, thousands of years ago, basically got hit in a rock. So pretend this is a rock. and Normally we hide because the cops are after us. But anyway, but, but he's hidden in the rock. God puts his hand out, the Bible says, and hides him. Which, in other words, it's a figure of speech. God covers him so he doesn't hurt him. And he goes by him and he sees the glory of God. And who, what's he, what did God say before that? People say, what did he see? He says, I'm going to show you my goodness, my grace, and my mercy. Ephesians says, but God, which is rich in, because of his great love with which we, he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when we weren't in faith, even when we were breaking God's laws, even when we were sinning like dogs, <laughs> well, maybe not you, but me, sorry. And made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. He showed us mercy, gave us grace. What did we do to deserve it? It's because we sinned he had to come. Moses says, if you find grace in me, please don't hurt these people. Who did Jesus is? He is grace. God found mercy and grace in Jesus. He sends him down to die for you and me. Does that make any sense to anyone? Or am I preaching myself happy? See, I want to share with you this story. It's a story. You might say, oh, I don't really believe in that. Oh, it doesn't matter. The question is that how do you live your life without God's mercy and grace? How do you live your life without God's protection? How do you live your life? I had a friend of mine who was a friend who didn't believe in God. And he says, if there's a God, I don't believe in God. I go, why not? He goes, because if there's a God, why is my wife so miserable? Why is my family's life so miserable? I said, well, can I ask you a question? Because what made you think you're going to have a good life if there's a God? What makes you think that if there's a God, you should have a good life? He goes, well, your Bible says God is good. I go, ah, oh, so my Bible says it now. So you take the Bible, read the whole Bible, and you'll see why you're Is it God's fault that you go and do what you want and how you want to do it? And then there's circumstances for whatever seeds you sow? Is it God's fault? I said to him, I love you, brother, but you can't blame God for your life. You see, anyone that blames anyone for anything else, they don't take responsibility for their life. The whole world is full of people. It's their fault. It's their fault. And God says, you take responsibility for your life. What happens when the kids, kids get in trouble and they're crying, fighting? They all blame each other. <laughs> it's natural. It's his fault. Adam sinned. It's the wife you gave me. It's her fault. <laughs> All the women are looking at me funny. 
But it wasn't your fault, Gould. It wasn't. I'm joking. Eve was deceived. Adam sinned. Because he holds the man accountable for the family. You know that? God says, I gave you as the gatekeeper. You know, if someone breaks into your house, do you throw your wife and kids first? Let's get them because I've got to work tomorrow. <laughs> and what if I hit him and I hurt my arm and I can't work, you know, and I can't provide for the... No, the first natural instinct is for a, for a husband to protect and stand in the gap. Give you four Ps. It's funny, I, I put four points down. I said to my wife last week it was four Ts, now it's four Ps. P for Paul. The first one is to lead. Now, this is about Moses, but this is about all of us because you might not lead here. You might not lead anyone, but somebody's got to lead a family. You've got to lead yourself. Parents lead family and kids. People have a, a business to lead people. people. Some people are teachers. Some people are lawyers. Whatever. You are called to lead. First yourself, then everyone around you. Moses came and God ordained Moses. See, God might ordain you in a position, but you're still going to be instructed by the Lord. Look at this, first thing, production. He led, uh, Moses led an example. He made a way through the Red Sea. God produced out of him favor and he led him out into the Red Sea. The second P is protection. Be careful you get correction from anyone who doesn't willing to protect you. Imagine, imagine you won't protect your kids. You have nothing to do with your kids, but then one day you want to discipline them. Who are you? Someone asked me a question the other day. How do you get to a place where... I saw this thing the other day. Someone sent it to me. with an older man. I don't know even who he was. He says, in your last days, he was an old man. He goes, what are, the, what, are, what are those... What is the biggest blessing in your life, he said. He says, you know the biggest blessing for me? He must be someone rich or someone. I don't know. He said, when my kids want to hang out with me still. That's a blessing. When your kids... The greatest word I've ever heard was Dad. That I'm an old man and my kids still want to hang out with me. Wow. Well, that really touched me. Moses protected the children of Israel. He eliminated the army of Egypt. Now we know God did it, but Moses was willing to stand in the gap for them when they had no unbelief. Lift up your staff, lift up your staff, close the sea. First thing is production. Second thing is protection. Third thing is provision. As a leader, whether you're a dad, Mum, mum and dad together, or anyone in authority, teacher, you know what? Be a provider. If you see a need and don't meet the need, there's something wrong with you. They had a problem, no food, they're in the desert. God, maybe Moses would have asked the same question Lord, these people want to eat, what am I doing? God reigns, gives them manna, quail. The fourth thing was, Problem, problem solving. We've got a problem here. God, he gets instructions from the Lord. He solves the problem. You see, when we lead one another, when we lead our families, see, your kids aren't going to grow up and know everything. You're going to have to teach them. Well, how much more us? I don't know how you do this life without God, honestly. Protection. Sorry, Production, protection, provision, and problem. These are, you'll face these every day of your life. Either I try and fix my own problem, or I take responsibility for my problem. 
You see, there's a big difference. I can't fix myself. I can't fix my wife. My wife can't fix me, praise the Lord, because there's nothing to fix. But, but I often say, Janet living with me is like a science project. You don't know what you're going to get every day. But, uh, but if you put the right steps, you understand God's mercy and grace for your life. And you allow the... See, see the wilderness, the place of dryness, is a place to build your character. Everyone wants to be blessed all the time. You see, the first thing they did was attack the leadership. <laughs> what does Jesus say? Obey your parents. Because if you can't obey your parents or honor your parents, guess what? You won't obey authority. We've got people running wild out there. I was a wild person, don't get me wrong. But I always had respect in my house. I had respect to elders. I had respect to women. But I was a crazy nutter. But for some reason, I had that, in that ability to have respect, but I was on a wrong course in a sense. But when you start losing respect for your parents and then, and then authority, guess what? You can't honor God. It's very important you understand that men, I'm going to speak to men here, you are the gatekeeper for your family. You are the protector. You are the provider. You're the problem solver. You're the one that brings pr production. You have to stand in the gap. And the first thing is get to know who Jesus is. I'm not saying you can't be a good person, but you'll never sustain what, God, what this world's throwing at your kids right now. Is that true? It's tough enough to walk this walk as a believer, let alone without being a believer. They're coming after your children, people. They're coming after your children. They haven't, there's no secret anymore. I used to hear this 30 years ago, and I used to think, oh, my brother used to tell me all this, and, you know, I loved it, but I thought, ah, it's a bit far-fetched. Now, everything he says come to pass, everything. And, and then some. And then some. He used to tell us they're going to charge you for water and they're going to make out the water's no good. They're going to charge you for water. And every bottle of water you get is worse than what you drink out of the tap. Let's be honest. They've proven it. But you're paying, we're just paying for it like donkeys. Like me, I'm a donkey. Anyway, we won't go down that road. That his love and mercy is for you. Listen to me. God loves you. He's not out to get you. See, religion... Or out to get you. Religion wants you to put and conform to certain patterns. Religion wants you to put you in a box and there's only so much. And you better look up to the hierarchy and all this. But grace says you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You need your own relationship with Jesus. Because you know what? You know what? God got upset about the most. When God spoke, Moses heard it with words. They heard it like thunder. And they go, they hid their faces. Moses, you talk to God. He's scary. And you know what that, the Bible says? It broke God's heart. That's how they see me. In other words, God wanted to have a relationship with them all. But they palmed it off to Moses because their hearts weren't right. You know, your heart can be bitter and twisted. And every time you get bitter and twisted heart and you have a heart full of unforgiveness, no gratefulness, guess what? It'll eat you up. And get, I'm telling you now, it's like a root of a tree. It starts, it goes, and it just keeps going. And 20 years from now, something pops up in your spirit. You don't know where it came from because you never dealt with it 20 years ago because the roots have got in and they tied your heart. You know, Rabs, I love what he shared about the armor. and It hasn't left me all week that, you know, we put the armor of God on. But he says, but you can't put your sandals on if you've got a helmet on. And the helmets in those days were big helmets. And that's awesome. You had to put on peace. And when you have peace on, then the armor's ready for fight. But if you have no peace, guess what? That's the cross. That's Moses. You know why God got upset with Moses? Because you have my peace. You have my grace but you decided to get angry and go by the flesh. He went to try and fix a problem with the flesh, and guess what? It cost him the promised land. 
Your promised land is Jesus. It's not a place, it's a position. My peace, he is the rock of our salvation. And when they struck him on the cross and they ripped his side open, water and blood come out. That's the birth of the church, his bride. Same as Adam, same as Moses. He hid in the cleft of the rock and I believe he saw the cross there. I really believe. I believe he had a, a revelation of the cross. I really believe that. I can't prove it. I can't, I can't be wrong. 100 letters already. People texting me saying you're a heretic. But either way, that's what I believe. I'm not saying it's gospel. I'm just saying he saw something gracious. Because God would know, not let him go into the promised land. Don't let fear hold you back. Because you know what unbelief does? brings fear. His presence is for you. He's waiting for you to get into his presence. And no matter what it costs you, get into his presence. Because he'll show you things. He will teach you. You know what? What about the obstacles? People say to me Moses had faith, but did he? He did have faith, but now if you come to me and ask me for something, in my natural environment, I can believe for you. I can believe for a job. I can believe for something. But you're in the desert and they've got no food. Where are you going to plant a seed to get a food? Where are you going to get water? Where are you going to get meat? There's nothing there. So God instructs him. So he had a personal relationship with God. And in the midst of the hardest, harshest places in the world, God provided their needs. Do you think God can't provide our needs now? And how much more by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? How much more that he wants to put a new nature on the inside of you? That fast was like going through the wilderness. How many things that popped up in your life you, that you just didn't like about yourself or you blame someone else for? The first thing you've got to do is look inwardly. It's you. He's interested in you. And he's willing to wait for you because he's going to heal you and set you free. Can we stand? It's interesting that rock represents Christ. And it says, out of it, rivers of water flowed. So they could drink and their, their livestock can drink. What did Jesus say? Out of you will come rivers of living water. Moses was led and guided by God's presence. How are we led, how are we led now? By the Holy Spirit. He leads us and He guides us into all truth. You see, sometimes you can hold things in your heart and not get healed from them. And you think, I'll just suppress them. I'll push them down. I don't need to deal with that. But guess what? It's going to surface one day. Everything comes to the top. Otherwise, it gets worse. But you need to trust God. Don't trust in the ways of God. Moses trusted in his ways. I trust in God's ways, but I trust in Him. If I don't have trust in Him first, His ways won't help me. I've got to trust God first in order to trust His ways. I can forgive without being a Christian. I cannot have offense without being a Christian. I can give to the poor without being a Christian. That's a good. But if I don't trust Jesus and what He did for me, then the core of my being is not healed. My soul needs to be healed. And the devil wants to scratch your soul so he can get in there. But by His grace, He's filled us. People want to know, oh, we don't do this and don't do that. What do we do this? What do we do that? Can't we do this? Can't do that. And that's law. God says, you love me? Because my love will overpower all these questions. He will. I'm telling you, he will. Because his love is unconditional. It's not a man's love or a woman's love. It's not a natural love. Because I don't care what anyone says, our love is conditional. But God's love is eternal. Now, when he gives it to you by grace, now he says, now, but to stay in my love, this is what you need to do. Because I want you to stay on that right track. 
But a loving father will always bring his son back, always bring his daughter back. A critical father will always point the finger at you. I love what that guy said. He goes, the greatest words I've ever heard was dad. And one of the greatest blessings I've ever got is my kids want to hang out with me. Wow. I, I pray, my, I've got three boys and two want to hang out with me. <laughs> no, nah, that's not true. I don't want to control them. I don't you have to hang out with me. No, no, but they want to hang out. Why? They've got their own life. They're going to have their own life. But, you know, isn't it a beautiful thing that when you lay a foundation, listen to me, I'm not saying I'm the greatest dad in the world because I'm far from it. I'm not saying we, 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 Janet and I got it right, but we were on that road through His grace. Someone asked me, how do you, is it, first, the, one of the first lessons I got as a young dad, you're not your children's friend, you're your children's dad. Janet's not their friend, Janet's their mum. Because if you want to try and be friends with your kids, try and discipline them later. But when you are mum and dad with authority by God and you impart love and mercy, no matter what your kid does, you'll love them, trust me. Good or bad, you'll be loved by them. I remember getting in trouble as a young fella. Oh, yeah, I'm exposing all my sins now. <laughs> and I got arrested, I got locked up, and, and oh, oh, it was bad. And, and you know, I lost my footy career. Not that I had a really good one, but I, I lost my footy career. Because of that, they rang up the, the club. Yeah, one of your boys are here. Yep, rip your contract up. $1,500 contract. Wasn't much, but. And getting locked up didn't phase me. Because I knew I was in the wrong. Uh, losing my contract hurt me, but it didn't phase me. The cop didn't scare me. The judge didn't scare me. But when I looked at my mum's face, I broke like a little baby because I broke my mum's heart. To see your loving mum who gave life to you and you've just dishonoured her by what you just did. And my mum cried, but she never disowned me. And if a natural mum who's not perfect can love you no matter what, how much a heavenly father who loves you and died for you. I'm telling you, it didn't break me. I was upset. I didn't want to do this. Oh, I had to go to court, all that stuff. But you know what broke me the most? When I looked at a loving mother's face. Because I hurt someone who loves me. And that's the law. You want to keep a law? That's like keeping the judge happy. But if you love someone, you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to betray them. You don't want to uh, bring uh, be a scumbag. You want to love them through. And it's the love of God that will sustain you, not keeping a law or a rule or a regulation. It's the love of Jesus. We don't come here because we have to do it on a Sunday because it's church day. No, we come here because we are fellowship together for one another. We trust to sharpen each other, one another, love one another as a community. And you know what? We're, none of us are perfect. If this was a perfect church, if you find me a perfect church, there's no one perfect. Only the one that we serve is perfect. And the one that lives in us is perfect. And He's making us to the road of perfection. God's not interested in perfection in the sense of, I have to be perfect. He's interested in you knowing Him. And with that, the secondary consequence of that, you mature. And if you've got a repented heart and you have a heart that knows that, you know, I'm willing to accept what I've done wrong and I move forward in His grace, He empowers me, He changes me, He heals me, and He empowers me to live this life. And what I could, where I am today is not where I could see 10, 20 years ago. But I can't imagine how good the next 10 years are going to be. 
I'm excited. I, I've got anticipation. I'm scared, fearful sometimes where we're going. But you know what? God's got it in control. God has gone before me. If God is before me, who can be against me? Does that make sense? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about faith in the one that loves you. Religion will get you until you're about God, but faith in Christ and grace and mercy shows you who Christ is. I'll finish with this story. This young guy came up to me. We're in a little Bible study. He was Fijian. He came up to me and he's weeping. He wasn't real big, but he's a real muscly looking kid. And he came up to me just weeping, 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 weeping. And I said, brother, what's up? What's going on? And he's crying here like he came up the front. He's, I think he was his girlfriend and he's brought him up. He says, I'm illegitimate. I'm illegitimate. I'm illegitimate. I said, what do you mean, bro? And he obviously goes to a traditional Fijian church. And he kept saying, and he's weeping. So I grabbed him and I just hugged him. He says, I'm born out of wedlock. And I don't know my dad. And my mum did this. And he tells me the whole story. I don't know who told him the whole story. And he goes, I'm no good. God doesn't love me. And I looked him straight in the eye. I said, look at me. With tears running. I said, I was born with a mum and dad who were married. And I was illegitimate. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, we're all illegitimate until we find Jesus. And there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Do you love Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He goes, yeah, I do. And I can tell that this is what he was fed from his traditional church. And I said, brother, look at me. We were all illegitimate until Jesus Christ washed us. And the power of the Holy Spirit hit him. Bang. He broke out in tongues. He couldn't stop. He, could, he couldn't get the smile off his face. I said, now stop listening to dead religious people and start listening to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we're all on our way to hell until Jesus died for us. Now, I said that because someone in here needs to hear that, that you think you've gone too far or maybe you think that I've come out of a lineage. Listen, it's not about where you've come from. It's about who you're coming to. His name is Jesus. I'm not talking about a man that died 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about a person who's alive today. And where there's two or three are gathered, he's in the midst of us. He's in the middle of us. He wants to hold us. He wants to love us. He wants to train us. He wants to guide us. He wants to edify us. And then he wants us to go and go forth and multiply out there. This is the God I serve. A loving God. And if a loving God loves you, he corrects you, he disciplines you, he also edifies you. He loves you. So Father, I thank you for tonight. That you made us worthy. You made us legitimate. You made us today. You make no mistakes. Because you went to the cross. Jesus said, any man who comes unto me, I'll never put to shame. Anyone who puts, confesses Jesus Christ as Lord, that he came in the flesh, that he died for our sin and rose again. The Bible says if you repent of your sin, repent means to change your mind and say, you know, Lord, I don't know all this. I just, I just want to come to you. He'll cleanse you and wash you and make you as white as snow. And Then he puts his spirit on the inside of you. And then he puts you on a path to righteousness, a path to your destiny a path to protection, a path to provision. And He will just wipe out all your enemies because you've put Him first. 
And if that's you in your chair, where you are, bow your heads and you pray this simple prayer. The prayer is not going to save you. A prayer does not save you, but it's your heart condition and the faith in what you're about to say. The Bible says, he who confesses out of, their, out of their mouth and believes in the heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died and rose again and was raised from the dead, shall be saved. This is a time to give your life to Jesus. Not join a church, not join a religion, but give your life to Jesus. And he loves you. And then he'll show you his mercy and his goodness. All the days of your life. And we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Love you guys. We thank you, Father, for tonight. Bless my brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray that they, you speak to them in their dreams and their visions. You speak to their heart. You heal their heart. You bring out fear and you put in kindness and love. Let faith arise. God is good. I bless every person here today in the sound of my voice. And we love you, Lord. You're a good God. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Sorry, I did. I went over a little bit. Love you guys. See you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening. Remember, His mercy and His goodness will follow you all the days of your life. Have a blessed night. See you next week.